Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for coming back to Misadventures with the Narcissist podcast. I am so grateful that you're here. And in today's episode, you are going to hear my story or shall I say my misadventure about how I moved in with the narcissist. Now, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please make sure to do so in whatever device you are listening on. And the podcast is becoming available on more and more platforms. So I am so grateful for the time that you are spending here with me today. And if you have not listened to last week's episode, where I talk about how I met the narcissist and the first few months, I guess, or maybe years of us dating, then please go ahead and do so. But in today's episode, I wanted to talk about how I moved in with the narcissist. Yep, I moved in with the narcissist. And I want to tell you about that whole story because this was another, I guess, big red flag for me that I did not know again was a red flag. And I think this is a theme throughout my relationship with the narcissist that there were so many red flags, especially in the beginning. And I just did not know there were red flags. It was this thing where... I had an intuition that something was off, but I kept on not listening to it or making excuses for it or just, I don't know, thinking that, oh, I'm just overreacting or whatever else I was thinking at the time. So I wanted to share these with you in case you may have gone through these yourself or you may recognize some of these behaviors that you may have done as well. So, sorry, I had to take a sip of water. So, I was dating the narcissist for about, I want to say two and a half years or so. And it was fun. Mostly, I I was going to say some ups and downs, but it was definitely mostly ups and not so many downs. We had so, so much fun and we were doing stuff. We were traveling. We were, um, I don't know, just really kind of living it up and, it was a lot of fun. So I decided that I was a place in my life where I wanted to invest in in an apartment. So I wanted to be a homeowner and buy my apartment. I had paid off my student loans. I had saved enough money to have a down payment, maybe like, I think at the time I was looking to put down 5% and um, I just felt like I was ready to become an adult and invest in an apartment by myself. So I started looking for homes and I told the narcissist that I was going to look for homes and he said, cool, good luck, Um, had really no interest in what I was doing, never came with me to, to see a home or anything like that. And then I, which I think looking back was another red flag because I know that if he was starting to look for homes, I would have been super excited. I would have wanted to go with him to see different homes. But anyway, that's just me. It doesn't mean that everybody has to do it that way. But I just remember thinking, this is really weird that he really showing no interest in my wanting to buy an apartment, but whatever. I figured, you know, we're just dating. We still have pretty separate lives and... we are still making our decisions independently. So I decided to start looking at apartments and I was looking for a few months and I couldn't really find anything that I loved. And then I found an apartment that was literally a block away from where he was living. And I remember thinking, well, it would be fun to go see it, 
because then I can just stop by his house and see him as well after I see this apartment. So I texted him and I was like, hey, I am going to look at an apartment. It's a block away from you. Um, I'd love to come by afterwards and just say hi since I'm already in your neighborhood. So he said he was super excited. He was like, oh, that sounds great. But I'd love to meet you there because I'd love to see this apartment with you. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's great. Now he's showing some interest in what I'm doing and in my house hunt. So I we met at the apartment and we... I fell in love with the apartment and he did too. And it was this really modern, it was a brownstone, like a brand new renovated brownstone. No one had lived in it before. It was totally modern and open and had, it was 1200 square feet, which is really rare to find an apartment that size in New York City. And uh, it was a one bedroom apartment. And I remember looking at the apartment and thinking, wow, I love this apartment. It's a little bit over my budget, but maybe I could make it work if I get a roommate. And I was thinking, well, maybe I can like put a door because the bedroom had no door because it was this like one big open apartment. And I remember thinking maybe if I put a door here and I kind of like partition off a second bedroom, I can have a roommate and we can split the cost and I will be able to live and afford in this apartment because I knew it was a little bit above my budget. And he kind of looked at me and goes, why don't we move in together? And I remember feeling two things. I remember feeling really, really excited that, wow, this guy really likes me. This is what I thought. I thought this guy really likes me. He is ready to commit to me. Um, and he wants to kind of settle down and he showed me that he's ready for the next step in our relationship. That was one side of me. And then the other side of me thought, wait, I'm feeling like he wants the apartment more than he wants to live with me. If, if that makes any sense. It was this feeling of, he hasn't mentioned anything about moving together ever. He didn't even come to see any apartments with me. And now he has fallen in love with this apartment and he wants to move in with me. But if this was a different apartment that wasn't as nice, he probably wouldn't be wanting to move in with me and wouldn't be asking me. And I had this conflicting, I guess, conflicting thoughts where on one hand, I was super excited and I was like, wow, this is a new adventure. And on the other hand, I just felt used and I felt like he really was wanting the apartment and not me. But I have a history of people pleasing and I have a hard time saying no, especially when someone asks me something that um, that big. I just don't know, literally don't know how to say no. So what I should have done was I should have said, well, let's think about it. Let's discuss it in more detail. Let's, um, let's talk about it more. Let's make, let's see how this makes sense or doesn't make sense. And then we can decide whether we want it, we want to do this or not. But I said, yes, my body said yes. And I jumped for joy and I was like, this is so exciting. Let's do it. A definite yes. And I just remember thinking, this isn't really what I want to say, 
But I'm saying yes. And I think looking back, that was a huge red flag. And that was my people pleasing and not knowing how to say no. And I'm learning in therapy that every time you say yes to something that you want to say no to, then you are abandoning yourself because you are going against what you really want to do. And for me, it was me not sure if I wanted to say yes or no, but I still went ahead and said yes anyway. So that's something that I should have known. It didn't feel right to say yes, but I convinced myself that this was the right move. So I said yes. I put in an offer on the apartment right then and there. And then it was time a few, I want to say a few weeks later for us to, or for me to buy the apartment. Now he had no interest in anything else that I was doing (laughs) regarding this apartment or anything else. It was like, Hey, we're moving in together. Great. But then I was on my own again. So I remember the closing process of this apartment and it was a bit difficult and I was just not getting clear answers from, I had to get a lawyer and I had a broker and it was just, the whole closing process was a bit of a mess. And I remember telling my lawyer that I wasn't comfortable with coming to the closing with a check because I still needed an explanation of all of the closing costs and the closing costs that I was coming up with were around $3,000 less than what the lawyer and the brokers were telling me. So I expressed, and there's a reason I'm telling you the story. So hold on, um, hang tight. But there's, uh, there was just a discrepancy anyway, when I went to my closing. So I decided to, I went to my closing and I realized after they explained to me what all the costs were, I realized that or I realized that I needed 3000 additional dollars in order to close the apartment. So I called the narcissist um, and I said, Hey, I'm at my closing, but I need to, um, I need to go to the bank and get an additional $3,000. And there's been some problems and, you know, and all of that. And I remember I didn't have the $3,000 because I hadn't obviously budgeted for that because this, that's not what I thought I would be paying at closing. And I remember telling him, I think I'm just going to go withdraw $3,000 from my credit card, even though that's something that I've never done. And I had no debt or anything like that. I was very financially responsible, which I'm telling you that because it's going to come into play again in later episodes. And I remember telling him this and saying, I'm just going to go to the bank, withdraw this $3,000 off my credit card, and then I'll just pay it off in a month or two. And that way I won't pay the crazy high interest rates that you have to pay when you take money off of your credit card. And he was like, Oh no, don't do that. I he's like, I have $3,000. I can just come over, meet you and I'll give you my $3,000 and you can pay me back whenever. So I thought, wow, again, this is super nice. Um, I said yes to that because I figured I don't want to pay interest to my credit card. So I took the $3,000, you know, brought it to my closing, um, wrote the final check that I had to write and bought my apartment. And I paid him back the $3,000. Of course, it just 
kind of felt wrong to be taking money from him, especially since he had never really paid for anything else. Like he didn't pay for any of our dinners. He didn't pay for any of our outings, any of our theater shows that we were going to see. This was the first time that he was actually lending me money and it just didn't feel right. So I paid him off, I think within a month or two. And um, that was that. But the reason I'm telling you guys this is because for the next few months, anytime we would talk about this apartment, he would tell people that I was short $3,000 and that I would not have been able to get this beautiful, awesome apartment without him. And we, and I just remember thinking like, wait, I could have gotten this apartment without you. I just would have had to pay a little more interest on my credit card, but you're the one who offered. I didn't come to you saying, hey, I need cash in order to buy this apartment. You're the one who said, I have $3,000 I can lend you so you can get this apartment. So I just remember thinking, wow, that's interesting that he's saying that he, that I was able to get this apartment only because of him let alone or never mind all of the thousands of dollars that I have saved before in order to be able to get this apartment. So anyway, I remember we were at, we decided to have a housewarming party and we had this housewarming party. All our friends came and it was just so much fun. And I just remember thinking, wow, I think this was definitely the right decision because we were having so much fun. All our friends loved the apartment. And then I would hear him tell stories to everyone at our party about how I was able to get this apartment only because he lent me the last $3,000 that I needed. And if I didn't have that $3,000, this apartment would have been gone. Someone else would have made an offer on it. And it just totally diminished any work that I had put into buying this apartment. And this was a huge red flag. This is something that played out over and over and over again in our relationship. It played out when I was running my business. And I'll tell you, I'll do a whole episode about my business and the narcissist. It played out when I was literally giving birth to my children, (laughs) um, to our children, I should say, and how he took most of the credit for that, whether you think I'm crazy or not, it's true. (laughs) Um, And it literally played out in so many scenarios throughout our relationship where it literally minimized any type of work that I would put in and it would totally maximize everything that he did. Even if it was something small, if it was something, um, you know, not significant. Although I'm not saying this because I don't appreciate all of his help because I did appreciate a lot of what he did for me or with me or a lot of stuff that we did together. But it was literally like he was painting it like he was my savior and he was the reason why I was able to get this apartment. Okay. So now that we got that out of the way, I also wanted to mention, so a few years ago, I know I'm skipping a lot, but a few years ago, we went to therapy to therapy together. And I remember the therapist asking, when did you think that 
your, I guess, your initial issues started in your relationship? Or like, what was the first thing in your relationship where you felt like something was off or something wasn't right? And do you guys know what he said? (laughs) And I'm laughing here because I was so shocked at this. And before I tell you that, sorry, I'm all over the place today, but I wanted to say, so I have always made more money than my ex-husband. I was making more money when we were dating. I was making more money when we were married. And I'll tell you all about that as well. But when we when we did buy the apartment or I bought the apartment because it was under my name, um, we decided the mortgage and the HOA fee and everything, taxes and all of that was around $1,800, um, $1,800 or maybe $1,900. And he was paying me $700. So I was paying $1,200 and he was paying $700. So even though we were both living in the same place, and we were not splitting the rent. I kind of thought it was okay to do that because the apartment was under my name. I was getting the tax deductions when we were to sell it. I would get the profit at him. So I was totally okay with him paying 700 and me paying 1200 But it was, again, this situation that we put ourselves in where I was putting more of the money in than he was. And I think that was something that kind of played throughout our relationship. So let's go back to the time when we were in therapy. So the therapist said, when was the first time you realized that there was this kind of like power play at work or where there was a sort of imbalance? And he said, the first time I realized that we had this kind of issue in our relationship and that she was in control was when I moved into her place. And he said, I wish that she had moved into my place or that we bought a place together because me moving into her place kind of set the tone for our relationship where she was going to be the financial person and the person who whose house it was. And I mean, I'm not saying it exactly like he said it, but it was something along the lines. And I just remember thinking, wow, it's interesting because he's the one who wanted to move in with me. I'm the one who felt like I was being used for my apartment, but I still said yes. And now here he is telling me that his decision to move in with me is what set him up to be an unsuccessful or or financially unsuccessful partner, which is just a huge excuse. Again, it's blaming me because I was making more money and I was paying more, right? Like he could have said, well, no, I want us to go, you know, go in half, half, and I want to pay half and you want to pay half and we'll be equal in this. And, but he didn't, he said he wants to pay less because I, the mortgage was under my name and all of that. So it was just, I found it so interesting that he said that it was him moving in with me that kind of made him feel like he was not going to be financially successful, which is so not true. I mean, what a load of BS, right? Like I didn't tell him he couldn't make more money. I didn't prevent him from being financially successful. I just allowed him or agreed to pay less 
for our mortgage. So it was just really interesting because he looked at this as a huge mistake. He looked at him moving in with me as the biggest mistake that he made in our relationship and the reason that he was not financially successful. So anyway, again, my fault. This is something that is going to be a theme throughout that everything is my fault. Even decisions that he makes, things that he chooses, things that he says yes to, they are always going to be my fault. And this was another way where he blamed me for his lack of financial success. So the fact, let me just summarize this, the fact that he moved into my place and paid less rent or less of the mortgage than I did is the reason that he was never financially successful in our relationship. It's one of the reasons. So, um, and one of the reasons why he said that I had all the power in the relationship, which is such BS, so not true. But I wanted to share this story. And there's other things that happened while we were living together. But <sighs> overall, I would say that our experience living together was a pretty pleasant one. Um, he, There were things that I really loved about our living together. So we were getting along pretty well. He, and he really loved to cook and clean. And I just remember thinking, how lucky am I to have met a man who loves to cook and clean <laughs> um, and who is neat and tidy and and, you know, organized and likes to cook and all of that. And I just remember feeling like I was the luckiest girl in the world. And the reason I'm sharing this is because there were so many times in our relationship because of the things he did that I felt like, wow, I am the luckiest girl in the world and I better hold on to this man because I grew up in a family where men didn't cook or clean, like women did all of that. Although my dad did do it when he was a single parent living on his own because he had no choice, although most of the time he made me and my sister cook, do the cooking and cleaning. But he still, you know, did a little bit of that. But I just remember thinking that I've come such a long way to not have to be a housewife. Now, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being a housewife. I have total respect. I think it is one of the hardest jobs. Um, and I am not diminishing that at all because I have been a housewife for a while and I, yeah, we, we don't need to get into that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with staying at home, you know, and being the housewife, but that is just not the role that I was interested in, in, um, in playing out in my marriage and in my relationship. So I just felt like I am going to hang on to this man for as long as I can, because I don't know many men who cook and clean and keep house and are tidy and neat and organized and all of the things that he was. And I just remember thinking he's a keeper, right? He is definitely a keeper. So that is one of the reasons why I stayed for so long. I mean, that sounds um, silly, but I just felt so lucky and feeling lucky again is a huge theme that ran throughout my relationship, even though it really had, I don't know, like it had nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> I think I was just looking at really like, th I knew there were qualities that I wanted in a man 
and he, someone who was willing to share in the housework, I just remember thinking if he cooks and cleans now, I definitely am going to have children with him because he's going to help me with taking care of the kids and with cooking and cleaning. And I certainly did not want to be the only one doing that in the relationship. It just didn't, uh, didn't appeal to me. Like I did not want to be the stay at home mom again, totally nothing wrong. I have so much respect. Oh my God, for women who stay at home, it is so much harder than anything else that I have ever done in my entire life. And we'll talk about that in later episodes too. So please don't think that I am putting down women who stay at home and women who want to be the the housewife. I am totally not. I have total respect and it is so much work. So anyway, I think you guys are getting my point, but I just literally felt so lucky that I could have a partner who partakes in cooking and cleaning <laughs> and keeping the house organized. And that is something that kept me around for so long. So I think that's what I wanted to say about moving in with the narcissist. I am going to share some more things next episode. I'm going to talk about what happened at one of our parties that we had in our awesome large apartment that was the envy of our friends. And I think he loved the fact that our apartment was something that he can show off to his friends and that he can talk about and he can kind of just, yeah, show off. And I'm going to talk about what, how the first few years of our moving in together was. And then next episode, I want to talk about how we got married. So make sure to come back and listen in and subscribe if you haven't, because I am going to talk about my proposal, my ring, and our fur and our honeymoon, <laughs> um, and all of the red flags. Like this was the next episode is going to be full of red flags. So I hope you guys come back and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Sometimes I have some notes where I write down kind of points that I want to talk about in today's episode. I didn't really have the notes. So I kind of just, um, I may be rambling a little bit more than usual because I didn't have notes, but I am still so grateful that you guys are still listening. And I hope you come back next week and hear all about how I married the narcissist. Bye, everybody. The Misadventures with a Narcissist podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. With Audible.com, using the link that I have below in the show notes, you get one month free, your first month of membership. You get it free. So you can check out some of the books on narcissistic abuse that I highly, highly recommend you read if you want to become more familiar with what exactly is going on with the dynamics of this relationship. So the first book that I recommend you guys read about narcissistic abuse is called Should I Stay or Should I Go? Surviving a Relationship with a Narcissist. And it is by Dr. Ramani Durvasula. And she has an awesome YouTube channel that I also highly recommend, but you can listen to this book for free with your Audible free trial. Otherwise the book is 20, 21 I believe to buy. 
My other favorite book is called Dodging Energy Vampires by Dr. Christian Northrop. And this is actually one of the books that really helped me understand what was going on in terms of the dynamics of narcissistic relationships. So you can get both of these books for free with your free 30-day trial from audible.com. And you can cancel anytime within the first 30 days. And these books are still yours to listen to. So make sure to use the link in the description or in the show notes below to get your free 30-day trial membership to audible.com. Now back to the show.